Well, good morning, everyone. Um, immediately after um, our press session this morning, um, I was sitting and chatting with uh, Shambi. And, um, you know, Shambi always asks very probing questions, as many of you would be aware. And uh, he asked me, he said, well, how long is your message going to be today? Now, I'm not certain whether he asked because he has something um, after service, but I was actually happy that he, that he asked the question because it gave me an opportunity to, to think about it. And I said to him, well, um, you know, it won't be longer than usual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, and, and, I, and I assure you that the message today will not be longer than usual. And um, I say that um, really because of the way the message today is structured, right? Um, so you might get the impression as we go through the introduction that we're going to be here all day. But trust me, we won't be. Or perhaps um, there might be a section that we spend uh, more time on than another. Um, but we will certainly um, be mindful of the time and stick within the time that has been allotted. Well, today, um, we want to speak on the topic, The Lord, Our Shepherd. The Lord, Our Shepherd. And this message today is based on a very familiar passage in Scripture, Psalm 23. And I believe that probably everybody in here has read or has heard that Psalm read. The Lord is our shepherd. For most, if not all of us, Life is not a bed of roses. Sometimes everything seems to be going right, and at other times, everything seems to be going wrong. And that reality seems to have no respect for whether someone is a believer or not. A careful reading of Psalm 23 reveals a man who, like us, was often challenged. Remember, he talks in the psalm about his soul needing restoration and his valley of experience. His valley experience, those are but two examples of the challenges that he had. Indeed, a survey of David's life, as recorded in First and Second Samuel and First Kings, reveals a man of breathtaking contradictions. These accounts you know well chosen by God to be king 
which he was for more than 40 years. Pursued for many years by Saul, which resulted in him finding refuge in caves and among his enemies. Triumphant in battles. Historic self-centeredness, which resulted in him taking the wife Bathsheba of a loyal soldier, Uriah, while having him killed. Loved and revered by those he led. Made to endure the unimaginable pain as one son, Amnon, raped his daughter Tamar, while another son, Absalom, killed many of his brothers, then sought David's own life. Husband to many wives and friend to an even greater number of concubines. And yes, a man beloved by God. None of our lives is or will be as storied as David's. But we go through our own stuff. Go through our own stuff. The psalm we come to today was penned by this intriguing and colorful man whose life story would be a must-watch on reality television. Imagine if David were alive today. I would find his reality show quite intriguing. But listen to what this man wrote in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And in verse 6 he concludes, Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we present this time to you. And Lord, we ask that you would do with it what only you can. Lord, make these words come alive. Lord, cause our heirs to be attentive, and our spirits to be receptive to that which 
you would desire. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would see ourselves in this passage, Lord, so that our lives might be adjusted, so that we might be challenged. I thank you, Lord, for those who will hear this message, not only today, but in the days and the months and the years to come. May they too be enriched in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. I believe that the message of Psalm 23 is this. The message of Psalm 23 is this. No matter where they are, no matter what they are going through, the Lord takes care of his children. I think that's the message of Psalm 23. No matter where they are, no matter what they're going through, the Lord takes care of his children. That's it. That's the message of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a thoughtful and thorough picture of God's relationship to his children. David uses metaphors of sheep rearing, which he was intimately familiar with, to our relationship with God. I've organized my thoughts on around three themes in Psalm 23 that support that summary. But before we consider the first point, I wonder, as you listened, as you listened to this message, as you listened to this message, I want you to hear, and I pray that the Lord will enable you to understand how we as believers, how we as believers should see respond to and seek to reshape the events that take place in our lives. Let me say that again. I want you to hear, and I pray that the Lord will enable all of us to understand how we as believers should see, respond to, and seek to reshape the events that take place in our lives. Verse 1 of Psalm 23 is a good introduction to the psalm. Indeed, the entirety of the psalm rests on the truth of verse 1. Therefore, we would do well to consider it before launching into the points of this message. Everything in Psalm 23 hinges on these five words. Everything in the psalm hinges on these five words. The Lord is my shepherd. That's it. Everything rises and falls on those words. We could truly spend a, a lifetime preaching messages on that truth and its byproduct, which the psalmist simply and boldly summarized in these words, I shall not want. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Therefore, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Notice, if you will, that David makes the point that the Lord is my shepherd. And you and I, like David, can say the same thing. The Lord is my shepherd. If you're a believer today, the Lord is your shepherd. And the Lord has this personal relationship with us. Also, notice that he does not say that only that the Lord was or will be his shepherd. He uses the present tense. And could just as easily have said, the Lord is shepherding me. The Lord is shepherding me. The Lord is leading me. Therefore, I shall not want. That needs to sink in. That is so profound that I believe only the Holy Spirit can reveal the depths of its truth to us on an individual basis. I can try as much as I can. But I got to acknowledge my inability. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What if we believe that? Imagine for a moment, if you truly believe that, as a believer, that the Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want. We see in these words that it is the sovereign one, the creator of all things, who is the shepherd, who is my shepherd, who is your shepherd condescends to be our shepherd. He's not insulted by this metaphor. The Lord, the sovereign one, the creator of all things, said and unseen. My shepherd, your shepherd. Yet if one is not careful, one could miss a very important implication of the opening clause of this psalm. It is vital to our understanding that we not only see the Lord as shepherd, but implicitly. And obviously, we must see ourselves as sheep. There can be no shepherd without sheep. Sheep, smelly, dumb, rudderless. It's one thing to, to be called an, an eagle. To be called an eagle king of the skies, or a lion, king of the land, or even a bear, 
cuddly, strong bear, but a sheep? A sheep? The point is that David recognized and embraced the fact that when it came to life in general, he was ignorant like a sheep. He needed a guy. You and I are but sheep. Yes, the man who slew Goliath, who became king, who had hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands at his beck and call, was wise enough and humble enough to know that in the broad stroke of life, he was nothing more than a sheep. You and I are nothing more than sheep. But what is the posture of your heart today? Are you sheep or are you king? Notice David's declaration in the second clause of the verse, I shall not want. David says that God's shepherding leads us to a place of sufficiency. Leads us to a place of sufficiency. Is that true for you today? In the next two verses, verses 2 and 3, the psalmist shows us that God sufficiently provides for three basic needs of his sheep. So number one, the first point is the Lord provides for his children. The Lord provides for his children. David writes in verses two and three, he makes me lie down. That is the shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. The Lord provides for his children. I want to suggest to you that there are three needs that are captured in these two verses. The first is our physical needs. David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. David is mindful of how a shepherd would lead his sheep to green pastures, to lush pastures so that he might feed, so that his physical needs might be taken care of. And he leads him to still waters, waters that are not contaminated. David, I believe, is helping us to see that the Lord, our shepherd, takes care of your needs and my needs, the needs of the sheep. And then in verse 3, he says, The shepherd restores my soul. 
Here David speaks of our emotional needs. In this fallen world, it is often true that we grow weary and despondent. Many times we have more questions than answers. David tells us that our shepherd restores our soul. Have you ever been weary in your mind? Have you ever been confused, concerned about the happenings of life? David said that God, our shepherd, is able to restore our soul. We can pray to him during times of despondency. And then in 3b, David continues that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think here David speaks of our spiritual needs. This clause reminds us how the Lord truly cares for us, just like the shepherd leads the sheep along certain paths. Shepherd carefully guides the sheep along certain paths. It is the Lord who leads us along the pathway of righteousness. Now this is very interesting. David said, it is the Lord who leads us along the pathway of righteousness. He is the one who makes a way of escape. He makes things better. He gives us means of grace. He makes things better, is what I meant to say. Gives us means of grace. He leads us along the path of righteousness. Why does he do this? The psalmist says that he does it for his own name's sake. You imagine that? That God is leading us along a pathway of righteousness for his own name's sake so that he might be glorified in what you and I do. We can be God's champions on the earth. We can bring glory to his name as we live lives that are righteous and holy. leads us along a path of righteousness for his name's sake. But not only does the Lord provide for his children. Point number two, the Lord guides his children. In verse 4, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fare no evil, for you are with me. Why? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we consider these, as we consider this verse, I want us to carefully observe David's choice of words in the opening part of 
verse 4. David writes, even though. Those two words caught my attention as I was preparing this message. David could have substituted them for though or although, but they were not strong enough. He could have said while or as. So, for example, David could have said, while I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I think that David wanted to make a stronger point. Because you see, maybe we would have missed this point. David here is saying, and you've said it before, David here is saying, even though, when he, when he uses that expression, even though, David is saying, in spite of. And he is about to tell us something that is really painful and very difficult. David says, even though, you've said it before, you've said it to your children, you've considered it, even though you have done such and such, I'm going to do this. David says here, that even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, even though perhaps, in fact, no doubt there are some present here today who have stories that they can tell that begin with those two words. Even though my health is not what it used to be. Even though my finances seem to be challenging. Even though this relationship that I thought would have been such and such. Even though, even though, even though my, my job is not what I expected. Even though. Our good shepherd is able to lead us through those difficult times as well. To make the point that the Lord indeed guides us. Guides his children, his sheep. The psalmist uses an extreme example. He uses death. In doing so, the psalmist makes the point that if God can guide his children through death, through something that could result in death, he can guide them through anything. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, To fully understand what the psalmist is saying, let's consider the psalmist's condition at this point. His condition is one of extreme difficulty. He faces the possibility of death. Now let me, let me say here that I know very often this verse in particular is read at funerals. And I understand it. I think it's good. It's, it's quite appropriate for us to read it at funerals. And, and people use it to su suggest that the psalmist here is speaking about someone who would have died. 
But I think if we, as we go through this, we get an appreciation that the more appropriate, but not the only application, is when one is actually walking through a circumstance that is challenging, that is fearful, that is ordinarily fearful. This difficult circumstance David faced could lead to death. Notice that the psalmist does not refer to his condition as a pleasant one. He calls it a valley. He says, this is a valley situation for me. What is the point I'm making? Notice at the beginning, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Sometimes, sometimes the shepherd leads us through the valley of very difficult and dark places. But he's right there with us. It's not unusual for us to face valleys ourselves. Sometimes we ask, where, where is God as we are facing these valley experiences? David says he's right there with us. Notice how the psalmist responds to this condition as he walks through this valley of the shadow of death. The first thing you notice is he doesn't run. He walks, walks through the valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You and I would ordinarily have a tendency to run through the valley of the shadow of death. But he walks. He walks. He walks because he is not afraid. He walks because the Lord is right there with him. He does not fear any evil. The evil of men. The evil of sickness. The evil of circumstances. He does not fear because the sovereign one is shepherding him. The psalmist offers further explanation for his peculiar, what some might see as a peculiar response in the face of danger. He says, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. You see, you and the Lord can overcome anything. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. And then the psalmist makes another point here. The psalmist says, I will not fear. I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How amazing is that? The psalmist has in view here no doubt what he as a shepherd of sheep would do with his sheep. How that he would have a roar 
to beat away the animals that would come to attack his sheep and protect them with the roar. And with the staff, the staff would have a hook at the edge, at the end of it. And as the sheep are walking, navigating very difficult terrain, and some of them, as they would go towards the edge, the shepherd would use the staff and just pull them by the neck. And perhaps at times that would be painful for them, but he would save their lives. And David says, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not many of us are comforted by rods. Not many of us. A couple weeks ago, we heard from this very pulpit how not many of us, as we were growing up, in fact, none of us at the time, I, I very, very doubtful that any of us would say that discipline brought us comfort. But David says, this point in his life, understands how rod and the rod and the staff of the shepherd could help him. And hence he was comforted by them. We've considered how the Lord provides for his children. How the Lord guides his children. And then number three, we'll consider how the Lord blesses his children. In verses 5 and 6, David writes, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now to be sure, to be absolutely sure, we have already seen many blessings of the shepherd. But in these verses we see even more. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David acknowledges here where his help comes from. And if you can imagine for a moment, the sheep is there, as they're just walking and the, they're, they're, they're in the field, the green grass, the green lush, lushy grass that they enjoy. And perhaps not far away, animals that would devour them, but for the presence of the shepherd. David says, By comparison, the Lord does the same for us. It is he who prepares the table for you and for me. And he does it despite the happenings around us. David said, the Lord, you prepare a table for me, bearing in mind the analogy of shepherding. He writes here of the sheep being supplied, even when others want to Harm them in his presence. What I want to make to you today is that it doesn't matter the circumstances. 
It doesn't matter what others are saying about you. They don't control your circumstance. That's the message. That's one of the powerful messages of Psalm 23. That you don't do battle with people. You don't do battle with people. You don't do battle with the person in your office, perhaps with whom you might have a disagreement. You don't do battle with them. You don't do battle with the neighbor who perhaps has some issues with you. That's not the person you do battle with. You go on your knees and you pray for the Lord because he is the sovereign one. He is the one who controls all things. And he is able, he is able to set before you a table that is fully prepared even in the presence of those who mean you ill. David says, But you anoint my head with oil. And this is an interesting thing that shepherds would do to sheep. Because as you can imagine, sheep being on the outside, that they would be attacked by bugs, insects, could go in their nostrils and wreak havoc. But oftentimes, what the shepherd would do, would, the shepherd would actually put oil on the sheep's head to keep the insects away. David here speaks about the care of the Lord. But I believe here that David speaks more than just that. I think David here is speaking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. How that God gave to us the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us and to be our help. David writes further that surely goodness, sorry, that you anoint my hair with oil and my cup runneth over. My cup overflows. My cup overflows, David writes. Here David speaks not only of having enough, but having a a circumstance in which you have more than enough to supply your needs. Here David is not talking about us lavishing excesses on ourselves but rather being a conduit, being a vehicle through which God is able to bless others. My cup overflows. And then David concludes the psalm. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How long? All the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Goodness and mercy. There is a certainty in David's words. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. There is certainty. There is permanency in these words. All the days of my life. How many of you know 
that despite who we are, despite the fact that we're here today listening to this word, that we need mercy, that we're going to need some mercy from the Lord today, perhaps, and in the days and the months to come. And David says, I can tell you that mercy is going to be your Lord. Mercy is going to follow you. He is a merciful God all the days of your life. And David said, how ought I to respond to all of these things? How ought I to respond to the fact that the Lord is my shepherd? How would I to respond to the fact that he provides for me, that he guides me, that he blesses me? First, the concluding words of the psalm, David says, my response is that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I believe David has in view here two things. I think David has in view our gatherings, how we assemble together. You can't, you can't really, if you, you can't possibly, it's not, I, I dare you to say otherwise, it is not possible for you to believe and to embrace the words of this psalm and not find it delightful to be in the house of the Lord. It's not possible. So don't try to convince me otherwise. It can't happen. It can't happen. It's not possible. David says, my response, I take a delight in being in the house of the Lord. David also has in view here being in the presence of the Lord forever. I know that the promises in this psalm are delightful. Unless we leave here today with, as it were, just a, you know, just feeling almost like with a sugar high, I want to talk to you about the practical applications of this message. What does it mean to you? What is this? What ought it to mean to you? How do you apply the message of Psalm 23 to your life? The first thing I want to suggest is that we must remember that like David's, our life will not always be a bed of roses. And often, like David's, things will not always go the way we want in our lives. However, we must view all of life's experiences, the ups and the downs, the joys and the heartaches, through the lens of God's sovereignty. We must view life, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the joys and the heartaches, through the lens of God's sovereignty. Everything. Yes, the one who holds the world in his hand holds you in the palm of his hand. Before you were formed, he knew you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. 
So when things are unwell, it is he who we go to. I know we have a tendency to see people and things as the agent of sorrows. We do battle with the Lord on our knees. On our knees. Because he is the shepherd. Psalm 23 covers a wide swath of our lives and tells us how to live. Psalm 23 really, for practical purposes, tells us how to live. To one who is high-minded, the psalm tells us to be humble. To one who is in the midst of a decision, look to God. To one who has achieved any degree of success, give God the glory. To one weighed down by the pressures of life, be restored. To one grappling with besetting sin, look to Jesus. To one who is walking through a difficult situation, fear not. To one who has enemies all around, ignore them. To one who is uncertain about the future, take heart. Why? Why can we respond to those situations like that? The answer is simple. Because we are the sheep and the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23 is a thirsty man's water brook. It's a hungry man's food and a dying man's comfort. We would do well to commit it to memory. We do well to commit Psalm 23 to memory. Children, commit it to memory and revisit it daily or often. I'd suggest we revisit this psalm often. For someday, I can almost guarantee you that it's someday each one of us will wish we knew this psalm. If you were able to interview someone who's dead today, they'd tell you, boy, I wish I knew this psalm. I wish I knew this psalm. While on death's bed. But it would not surprise me if some people have a negative reaction to this sermon because we said that believers should take comfort in knowing that we are the Lord's sheep. Some people don't like that kind of talk. No doubt, some will say that they're nobody's sheep. Nobody's sheep. Well, the reality is that every one of us whether you're in the church or outside of the church, you belong to one fold or the other. That's inescapable. You belong to one fold or the other. Either we are sheep being led by material things, by pride. We're either being led by pride or some sinful pursuit. Or we are of the fold of Christ. Yes, if you are a believer... Jesus is your shepherd. Listen to what he says in John 
10, beginning in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that's ultimately what it's all about. The good shepherd laid down his life for you and for me. That's it. That's the pinnacle of the shepherd's work. The death of Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life for us. But you know something? If you're here today and you're not a believer, you cannot lay hold of the blessings in Psalm 23. They're not for you. You don't have the benefit of viewing life, all of life, any part of life, through the prism of God's amazing sovereignty. His unyielding love and his unfavoring care. That's not your lot. Most importantly, if you're not a believer, you cannot appropriate now appropriate the grace that rained down and rains down from Calvary. Instead, you will face a just God on your own merit and not that of the good shepherd. As the praise team prepares to come now, but I ask that we pray Father, we lift up your word to you. And Lord, every word, every, every word that we have read and, and spoken in, the, in Psalm 23, all of the words in Psalm 23, Lord, we believe and, and we, we believe that they belong to us and we embrace every word. And Father, for the one who has been hurting, for the one who has been in doubt, for the one who has been challenged by life circumstances so that he, Lord, wondered where you were, who felt that you were afar off, for the one who, Lord, walked through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, for the one who is pained by disappointments. Lord, I pray that these words will be particular.
particularly meaningful. I pray, Lord, that those who have endured long periods of illnesses and disappointments, Lord, that these words, Lord, will be planted deep in their hearts today. Lord, where there has been disappointment, I pray that faith will arise. And Father, I pray also, I pray for those, Lord, who today would say, everything's going well. I pray, Lord, that they would complete that statement and say, everything's going well because you are my shepherd. I pray for humility, Lord. I pray that our heads, every, every head is bowed low because we know from whence our help comes. Lord, grant to everyone a gift of humility today is my prayer. And Father, for those who don't know you, Lord, we lift them up to you. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that the light of your gospel will shine to every heart, Lord, every person who does not know you in this place. We pray, Lord, that you will do the work that only you can do, that you would save hearts, that you would be a good shepherd to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to please stand as we sing My Redeemer's Love. Verse 1, My Redeemer. My Redeemer's love is deeper than the depths of sin and hell. He who was enthroned in glory Came to bring us to himself. My Redeemer's love is wider than the breach my sin had made. He reached down into my darkness. He alone has power to save. Deeper than the rolling seas, higher than the mountain peaks, your love is all I need. Verse 2, my Redeemer's love is stronger than the fiercest enemies. He who hold me in the tempest, through the flood he carries me. My Redeemer's love will lead me through the deepest valley hill. He will shepherd me and guide me. He will ever keep me there. Deeper than the rolling seas, 
higher than the mountain peaks. Your love is all I need. Stronger, stronger than the rushing wind, shattering the power of sin. Your love is all I need. My Redeemer love grows stronger as eternity draws near. I'll enjoy His love forever at His throne for endless years. My Redeemer's love will fill me On the day I see His face I will love Him back forever And forever sing His praise And forever sing His praise And forever sing His praise. Deeper than the roaring sea, higher than the mountain peaks, Your love is all I need. Stronger, stronger than the rushing wind, shattering the power of sin, your love is all I need. 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 much for reminding us that we are sheep, but more than that, reminding us that the Lord is our shepherd.